Playing catch up here on a Tuesday, the Vols pick second in the East as expected, which Tennessee Volunteers named preseason All-SEC. Vanderbilt picked by five people to win the SEC. What are we doing here? Mailbag questions, a whole lot to get into. It's your Tuesday Locked on Vols. You are Locked on Vols, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Good Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into it. This is Locked On Vols. It is your team every single day. I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for making Locked On Vols your first listen every single day. You everydayers for coming back and taking in Locked On Vols. We're back stronger than ever here on a Tuesday. Been out of town, but uh, man, we are here at the home stretch. One more week, and then we're going to have football practice to talk about and fall camp to talk about. And ultimately, the, the the first game of the season is right around the corner, so I'm thrilled about that. Uh, today, we're going to recap uh, the media polls that came out on Friday, where Tennessee was picked in the SEC, some preseason all-conference all Vols. We'll get to your mailback questions, and going to play part one of my conversation with Chris Gordy on Radio Row at SEC Media Days. That is coming up here on a Tuesday show. So again, no surprise, Tennessee was picked second in the SEC East. And again, uh, this was announced on Friday, and because I was out of town on Monday, I want to kind of give my reaction to it here. Uh, second in the East behind Georgia. Tennessee did get 14 first-place votes to win the East, uh, but Georgia got 265. So obviously an overwhelming favorite was Georgia to win the East, and that was uh, you know, that was the obvious choice, back-to-back national champions, and so uh, no surprise there whatsoever. Uh, but behind Tennessee in the East was South Carolina, who got three first-place votes. Kentucky was in fourth, got one first-place vote. Florida, Missouri, and then Vanderbilt, which got eight votes to win the SEC East. I'll get to that here in just a moment. Uh, but pretty much, you knew it was going to be Georgia. You had a strong suspension or a suspension that uh, Tennessee was going to be the second place team. There was a coin flip, rather, for South Carolina or Kentucky to come in third. My vote was for Kentucky, but I'm not surprised whatsoever that South Carolina's uh, picked to finish uh, third behind Tennessee. And then Florida in fifth, Missouri sixth, Vanderbilt seventh. You look at the Western Division, Alabama once again has picked to win that division, so no surprise there. But uh, the uh, separation is not as great as that in the East. Georgia, 265 first-place votes, then Tennessee had 14. To win the Western Division, Alabama had 165 votes, LSU had 117. So, again, a lot of people are kind of seeing how that gap is shrinking between Alabama in the field in the SEC, but also particularly in the SEC West. Media voted Alabama to win the West, LSU in second, A&M in third, they got one first-place vote to win the West, Ole Miss in fourth, Arkansas fifth, it got three first-place votes. Auburn in sixth, it got four votes to win the SEC West, which is funny. And Mississippi State in the cellar, which got one vote to win the SEC West. So a lot of people are being truly careless with their votes and giving all the media kind of a bad rap here. Um, in terms of the SEC champion, of course, Georgia was picked by 181 people to win the SEC. First time in quite a while that Alabama has not been picked to win the SEC, but it did get 62 first-place votes. LSU was in third with 31 first-place votes. And then a big separation here. You had Georgia 181, Alabama 62, LSU 31 votes to win the SEC. Tennessee comes in tied for fourth with, wait for it, Vanderbilt with five votes to win the SEC. 
The Vanderbilt thing, just throw it out the window. It's people trolling. It's people not taking their job seriously. Arkansas, Arkansas got two votes to win the SEC. Uh, probably a part of the Arkansas media. Auburn as well got two votes. Had to be part of the Auburn media. And the same with Mississippi State and South Carolina. So uh, those are the teams that got votes to win the SEC. But it's Georgia overwhelmingly, Alabama in second, LSU. And then there's a large drop-off before Tennessee comes in with five first-place votes. Um, so again, no no surprise whatsoever. We thought Tennessee was going to be number two, voted on number two in the SEC East behind Georgia. It was. The only question was kind of who would be behind Tennessee, whether it be Kentucky or South Carolina. The media voted South Carolina. I am a bit surprised that there's this big of a drop-off between LSU to Tennessee in terms of who would win the SEC. Uh, no surprise that Georgia's picked to win the SEC. Alabama's in two. I thought LSU might be a little closer to Alabama. That's still 31 votes that separates the two teams, 62 to 31. But 31 to 5, LSU to Tennessee, that's a bit surprising to me. Uh, we look at the preseason all-SEC teams and kind of surprised here. Uh, I guess not shocked, but no Tennessee volunteer was picked first team preseason all-SEC. Uh, you did have four, let's see here, you did have one, two, yeah, four that appeared on um, one on the second team and then three on the third team. And again, this is all offense. There's no Tennessee volunteer on defense that appeared on the first three teams voted on by the media. We'll get to that in a moment. Second team, wide receiver, Brew McCoy, which isn't a shock whatsoever. Here's a surprise, a couple of them really. Your third team quarterback is Joe Milton. Uh, we've had this conversation. Uh, you know, we had it was a show a couple weeks ago. Can Joe Milton be an all uh, SEC preseason quarterback pick? And I said that there's going to be a lot of people that will vote him because he's kind of the talk of the town. Uh, he's a very intriguing quarterback prospect coming into the SEC, which lost a lot at the position from last year. So I thought it was possible, but with KJ Jefferson getting second team honors and Jaden Daniels getting first team honors. I mean, where's Will Rogers? I thought Will Rogers would likely be there as well, and he is behind Joe Milton. Excuse me. Uh, he and Joe Milton kind of, uh, you know, both. They put two quarterbacks on the third team, so they were tied. But I'm, I'm, you know, even in that respect, I'm surprised that Joe Milton's high Will Rogers because it's all about what have you done for me, not projections, but it's what have you done for me. Um, and Will Rogers has done a whole lot more than Joe Milton as a starting quarterback. But anyway, it's good to see there. It's good to show. I mean, it just goes to show you how popular Joe Milton is and how intriguing a lot of people are to see him play in this offense this year. So that was a surprise, a pleasant surprise. That was, that was pretty cool to see Joe Milton earn 13 preseason all SEC honors. So that was kind of cool. And then two other volunteers mentioned Brew McCoy on the second team, a wide receiver, Joe Milton, quarterback of the third team, Javante Spragans on the offensive line on the third team and Cooper Mays on the offensive line as a third-team offensive lineman center, really. Uh, that's good to see. I think Javante Spragans is one of the more underrated players on this Tennessee team, so that was good to see him get his recognition. He's going on being a three-year starter. And then Cooper Mays as well. It's kind of hard to get a center in there because there's only one position, whereas there's two guards and two tackles on every offensive line. But good to see Cooper Mays. Um, he's key for Tennessee. Got to keep him upright. Got to keep him healthy. No Tennessee volunteer voted preseason All-SEC on defense. Should there have been any? Aaron Beasley comes to mind, right? 
Uh, Amori Thomas is a guy that should have been voted, in my opinion. Amori Thomas getting no love whatsoever, and there's four defensive linemen on the first team. There's four defensive linemen on the second team, and there's four defensive linemen on the third team. Sometimes they put like six or seven defensive linemen on the third team, but no Amori Thomas, and I think that's a miss. Uh, you also look at the specialist group, kick returner, punt returner, punt returner really. There's no D. Williams as a punt returner or return specialist, and I think that's a big miss. I think D. Williams should have definitely been named a preseason All-SEC return specialist, albeit probably second or third team, but uh, he was not on this whatsoever. So anyway, a little surprise that we didn't see Amari Thomas. There's a lot of linebackers in the Southeastern Conference, so I understand why Aaron Beasley probably wasn't picked there, but no shock whatsoever. You knew Brew McCoy would be on there somewhere because – uh, Malik Neighbors and Lad McConkey of Georgia and LSU, respectively, probably going to take up the first two spots on that list. Um, but Brew McCoy comes in along with Antoine Wells and Ja'Cory Brooks of Alabama on the second team, and and so that was that that was really really good to see. He had Tennessee's best. He was Tennessee's best chance to be the highest preseason All SEC pick. And he comes in on the second team. So, again, no surprises whatsoever, really. I mean, Amari Thomas probably should have been on one of those teams. Maybe Aaron Beasley. Um, Joe Milton was a good surprise, for sure, uh, being a third-team quarterback, just because he hasn't done a whole lot as a starter. The potential's through the roof, and he had great Orange Bowl showing. Can't wait to see what he does week to week. Uh, but that was a pleasant surprise. And um, But overall, you know, Tennessee being picked second in the, in the, in the uh, East behind Georgia, that was no surprise. Tennessee being fourth. In terms of teams who could win the SEC championship, that was no surprise. But people voting Vanderbilt to win the East, people voting Vanderbilt to win the SEC outright, this is why the media gets a bad rap. This is why the media, um, it's just people aren't taking their job seriously. So it just is what it is. got to look past that trolling uh, to, to, to see what it is. But again, um, there's a lot of things we think now that are not going to come to fruition and a lot of things we think now that, you know, maybe negatively about a team or a player that will come back to bite us later in the season. That's the beautiful thing about talking season. And we're almost out of it, guys. We are almost out of it. Can't wait to get into fall camp. That's coming up next week. But going to get into your mailbag questions. That's coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. I want to tell you about our friends over at eBay Motors. For every championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head on over to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every single, every single part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or... Your money back. Pretty good deal there, right? Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are there guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices, all on ebaymotors.com with the eBay Guaranteed Fit. ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Appreciate you guys, as always, for being here on Locked On Ball. Shout out to Everydayers. If you want to come in Everydayer, go ahead and subscribe to Locked On Balls on the YouTube channel. Back in the top 100 for football podcasts in America. Thank you so much for making that possible. And uh, continue to subscribe 
wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Can't thank you enough. Let's get into the mailbag portion of the show. And for that, we will start with Trevor. Mailbag every single Tuesday right here on Lockdown Balls. And it's when you get to take over the show if you're an everydayer. Trevor says, for Twitter Tuesday, who are you taking in a game between 2016 2016 Tennessee, coached by Josh Heupel, or 2022 Tennessee, coached by Butch Jones? I like 2016, and I don't know how close it would be. Yeah, man, I'm with you. Okay, so you go back to that 2016 Tennessee roster. Uh, guys like Joshua Dobbs, at quarterback, would be great in this offense, in my opinion. Uh, running backs, Jalen Hurd, Alvin Kamara, John Kelly. Okay, sign me up. That's an upgrade. Quarterback, I don't – you can't really say it's an upgrade from Hendon Hooker because Hendon Hooker was so good. But, I mean, I mean, Josh Dobbs, right? I mean, before Hendon Hooker, he was the best quarterback since uh, – I mean, since – Clawson, Ainge, and of course, Morton, Manning. I mean, there's there's not Bray. I always forget Bray in that conversation. But Josh Dobbs is a great quarterback, so it's hard to say after the year Hendon Hooker had that this would be a downgrade. But uh, anyway, you're still in good hands. But you have Josh Dobbs, a quarterback, Hurd and Kamara at wide receiver, at running backs, John Kelly as well. You look at wide receivers, and um, you have Josh Malone, you have Juwan Jennings, you have Jason Kroom, you have Preston Williams, Alvin Kamara led the or was second on the team in receptions that year. Um, you're pretty good at wide receiver as well. And then you look at defense, guys. I mean, Emmanuel Mosley, NFL guy, Derek Barnett, a former first round guy. You've got Todd Kelly, Rashawn Golden, um, Darren Kirkland Jr. before all the injuries. Elliot Barry, I mean Malik Foreman, I mean Cameron Sutton, I mean th- this is Jalen Reeds Maven. I mean, g- can I go on and on? Uh, this is a really, really solid team, and obviously the 2022 Tennessee team was very solid as well. But give me 2016 team coached by Josh Heupel, and I think they run 2022 coached by Butch Jones out of the gym, and that's just my opinion. That's a really good question, Trevor. Uh, but I'm kind of with you. Give me 2016 along with Josh Heupel, and we'll see what happens. Uh, next, we will go to James. James wants to know, can you give a general baseball updates? I've heard Denton uh, signing as a free agent, so you know we haven't seen him do that yet, so can we assume that he's coming back? What about transfer from Alabama? Any updates on any other transfers? Any news we need to know? Um, at the time of this recording, again, with the Zane Denton thing, he went undrafted. He has a COVID year of eligibility left, so he's working through his options. Uh, there's just not a lot of chatter out there uh, about him right now. You would think that if you're signing an undrafted free agent deal, you would have gone ahead and already done that. Uh, but we haven't seen anything announced yet. And again, whenever you ask about it, just a lot of people don't know right now. So again, we'll keep tabs on it. We'll see. But um, at this point in time, there's not really an update on Zane Denton. Um, as far as the Alabama transfer, Luke Holman, I posted a note over VolQuest.com on, two, on Monday morning. Uh, If you haven't seen it, essentially, he visited Tennessee, LSU, Mississippi State. Um, Those are the top three right now. Actually, it's Tennessee, LSU. They're neck and neck right now, so it's even at the top, Tennessee, LSU. Uh, Luke Holman continues to like Tennessee, likes Tony Vitello, likes Frank Anderson, likes the strength and conditioning program here at Tennessee. Drew Beam has done an excellent job recruiting him as well. Those who uh, got to know each other very well at USA Baseball this summer. So we'll see, but obviously... You know, LSU, Jay Johnson is a relentless recruiter, just won a national championship. It's neck and neck right now. Um, we'll see how the week goes. Uh, you know, the, the family's put a deadline of Thursday on the table, so we're gonna, we're, we should be able to 
uh, you know, find out some news this week for sure on that. James, I appreciate the uh, uh, question. No, at this time, no targets in the portal in terms of a shortstop, but you know that that can always change. Um, we will go next to Willie. Willie wants to know which walk-ons that are on Tennessee's roster have some legit talent and ones we might be seeing making plays on special teams or having a small role cut out for them. Good question. Um, as small as far as a small role cut out for them, not many. I'll get to one specifically here in a moment that that I guess goes against that narrative. But but you're not going to see that an awful lot on special teams. You will see guys. I mean, there's backup or there's walk on linebackers um, all the time on uh, on kickoff team. Will Brooks made a couple of plays. Um, uh, Navy Shuler's cousin. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now, and I apologize. He was on kickoff team last year, made some plays. So you'll see those on special teams. But really, in terms of a walk on, the only player right now, and we'll see how camp goes, that I could see having a small role in this offense would be Hunter Salmon. Tight end. I think, think this is his fourth year in the program, or here at Tennessee would be the third year in the program with Josh Heupel. Um, he's a walk on tight end, and um, he, you've seen him a little bit. In three tight end sets, you've seen him a little bit sub in if if Warren or, or Fan are out for a little bit over the course of the last two years. He's never had a big role, don't get me wrong, but um, especially like towards the end zone when they want to go three tight ends, uh, tight end in the backfield, two on the line. Uh, Hunter Salmon, I believe, is a guy that uh, would get that opportunity. So he's really the only one that I would mention right now, to be completely honest with you. Uh, let's go over here to the bookmark section. You guys can always send in tweets as well. Seth says, obviously thrilled the Vols got away with a postseason bowl ban, but hypothetically, do you think if Tennessee had gotten one, would Tennessee have lost some of the big recent commits or players that are already on the roster? Also, would you like to see UT versus Memphis rivalry in football? Um, Tennessee-Memphis, just my opinion, one man talking here, Tennessee-Memphis and football does nothing for me. I would love to see Tennessee and Memphis play basketball every single year. So that's my thoughts on that. And um, Tennessee, of course, did not get a bowl ban, but hypothetically, say Tennessee got a year or two of a bowl ban, and that was the news on Friday. Absolutely, I think that could have changed some things. I think uh, guys committed already in this 2023 class, 2024 class, I think some of those guys could could have potentially decommitted and left because who wants – I mean, especially if it was a two-year bowl ban, who wants to go to college and not even have the opportunity – to play for a championship in two of the three years you're there, potentially, uh, two, or two of the four years, depending on who you are and your NFL aspirations and potential. So I think absolutely some of that could have changed. Um, thankfully, it won't. Tennessee did not get a bowl ban, and Tennessee has recruited the entire last two and a half years saying, hey, we do not think we're going to get a bowl ban. We do not think we're going to get a bowl ban. Um, but, of course, you didn't know for sure until Friday. But as far as the guys in, in you know on the current roster, the the transfer portal window is already closed. Uh, so in terms of getting you know eligible to play right away, I think it would be you know especially in conference it wouldn't happen. But um, it, it would be more of a challenge, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So um, anyway, uh, I think it would have been tough. But in terms of recruiting, for sure, I think some of those guys in the 24 class uh, might have looked elsewhere if that was the case. Of course, it it was not. Uh, let's go to Tony. Not a question, but I want to take a moment and congratulate the former Lady Vols repping their countries in the Women's World Cup. It's been awesome hearing the commentators acknowledge their colleges and seeing Vols representing on the world stage. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, Tony. The Women's World Cup going on right now, and there's some orange there. Let's go to Sam Smith. Uh, will we be hearing the fantastic song Hawaiian Superman 
at Lindsey Nelson Stadium this upcoming season. I'm trying to check on that at the time of this recording. I don't, you know, I haven't heard back from a couple people I've checked with in terms of that situation. Pretty much, um, the date for drafted players to sign contracts with the professional teams that drafted them is later today at five o'clock, t- Tuesday at five o'clock Eastern Time. Um, of the top ten draft picks for the San Francisco Giants. Maui Ahuna being drafted in the fourth round is the only player that is not signed so far. So that is kind of noteworthy. Um, in baseball, it's really interesting. You can be drafted. If you don't come to uh, terms on an agreement uh, for a contract, you can come back to college if you have eligibility, which Maui does. Um, you can go play independent baseball. You can do a lot of different things. Baseball is really unique uh, in terms of, you know, in basketball and in football, you declare for the draft and you're not drafted. You can't come back to college, but in baseball, you can. So, um, we'll see, man. Um, it's interesting. There's a catcher from Louisville that was the 11th round draft pick from uh, from San Francisco, and he's not signed yet. So there's only so much money to go around, and uh, we'll see exactly what happens uh, with Maui. But that's something to be watching out for. The time of this recording on a Monday night, Maui Yahuna has not signed his contract. Um, if he does not sign by that deadline, we will see. Uh, the popular answer would be he'd come back to college, obviously. And that would solve a lot for Tennessee because it doesn't have a shortstop right now to spot bringing in some some big-time talents. But uh, we'll see on that. Hopefully, I'll get some clarity. I've reached out to a couple people. Hopefully, as, as the day goes on, I'll hear a little bit more, maybe an update on that situation. But that's something to watch for, for sure. Uh, last one, we'll go to I Hate Tweeter. Love the handle because Twitter is just uh, abysmal right now in terms of its makeover. Uh, can't use TweetDeck, use it every single day for 2016. It's about to be taken away from me. That's awesome. Can't send DMs. Um, I cover recruiting. Pretty tough to not be able to DM some people if you're not verified, but I'm not going to pay a subscription for that check mark. I'm just not. Uh, maybe I can rot it off. Who knows? But anyway, I hate Tweeter says, um, how many of our defensive line signees recruits ultimately end up on the offensive line? Good question. There is one from the past two classes, one that's already signed, ready to roll. He's on campus going through workouts right now. Trevor Duncan from Knox Catholic. He is starting on the defensive line, starting on the defensive side of the football to begin his collegiate career. I believe, personally, his future is as an an offensive tackle. Um, When will that happen? I don't know. Will that happen? I don't know. But he's got the frame to hold weight. He's got quick feet. I think he can make some money as an offensive lineman at tackle, but he will start out as a defensive lineman, but that's one to watch over the course of you know his career. Another one is Jeremiah's Hurd. He is in the committed class for 2024. Just jumped in to the On 300, the top 300 prospects in the country by On 3, uh, who I work for over at VolQuest.com. Brand new to the sport. He's a basketball player, but brand new to the sport. Huge guy, about six foot eight, uh, you know, around 300 pounds. You know, we'll see where he starts out when he gets to Tennessee, but I think his future, again, is an offensive tackle. You want a good pace, you want good feet, you want strong guys, athletic guys playing tackle, and I think both of those guys kind of fit that mold. But those would be uh, the two that I would be watching for. Trevor Duncan now as he's starting his Tennessee career, and of course, Jeremiah's Hurd, uh, who's coming up here in the class of 2024. All right, as always, can't thank you enough for sending in those mailback questions every single Tuesday. It's when you guys, you everydayers, get to take over the show right here on Locked On Balls. Hey, when we come back, we're going to jump right into it. Um, I had a conversation, met up with Chris Gordy on Radio Row. Going to play half of that conversation all about the Tennessee Volunteers. He asked me questions, and I answer them, and uh, we're going to hear from that conversation right here on Locked On Balls. 
it, Tennessee is such an interesting team to me this year because this is the like fans got very excited last year. The win over Alabama, um, you know, Hendon Hooker having a fantastic year. It, it felt like, you know, Tennessee is back is what it, yeah. it, it almost, you know, but, but here's the danger. Texas did this a couple years ago. Yeah. We're back. And then we saw them take a step backward. Uh, how does Tennessee avoid taking that step backward? You know, um, I, I've studied up on Josh Heupel as a play caller in the SEC and as a head coach the last couple of years, whether it be at UCF or at Tennessee. And just doing the research on, I mean, his, he's had top 10 offenses, you know, leading the nation in scoring in total last year. And, and if you go back all the way to 2018, he's had a couple of different quarterbacks. And these quarterbacks are not the same, you know, types of uh, types of people. And he's found success with every single quarterback. And so I, I don't like having blind faith because I think that's when you get in trouble. But we talked about this on Locked on Balls. If you look at the stats, and even if you go back to his time at Oklahoma with different quarterbacks as a play caller or as a quarterback's coach, the success has followed Josh Heupel. So, um, you know, is Joe Milton going to be Hendon Hooker? No, Joe Milton's going to be Joe Milton. Will that be good enough to get Tennessee where it was last year? 10 wins in the regular season, 11 wins of the bowl game. No, we'll find out. But, I have faith the offense is going to score. I have faith the offense is going to score around 40 points, 38, 40 points a game, be a top 10 offense in the league. And and I really do believe the defense, if you just take a couple more steps, took a couple steps last year, play some complimentary football, improve the back end a little bit. And I think this team will win a lot of those toss-up games, you know, on the road at Florida to begin the season in week three, at home against AM, at home against South Carolina. And then, of course, you know, Alabama and the big one in November, that'll be Georgia. Yeah. Will, will we see more Joe Milton running this year? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, that was that was a part of uh, Hendon Hooker's game that was really underrated. They called a few designs, sure, but uh, you know, if the pocket collapses, just you know, take what the defense gives you. And I think that's going to be a work in progress for Joe Milton because he's not had that opportunity in a, in a while. But it was a big part of what Tennessee did last year. So you know, we'll see. As a backup and mop up duty, Joe Milton was not shy. He'd take and run. When he moved in the starting role with the injury to Hendon Hooker, he was very protective of his body. So I think it's just going to be something that grows as the season goes on. I think they'll call some. Uh, he shedded about 10 pounds and, and gotten a little leaner this offseason to help in that regard. But uh, no doubt about it, uh, you know, Hendon Hooker helped Tennessee's offensive line out a lot last year and helped Tennessee's offense out with just the ability to extend plays and take what the defense has given them. Uh, it looked like he had a little bit more touch on his ball. Um, and the, the small sample size we saw at the end of last year. Uh, how important is that for Milton? Having a little bit more touch. We know he could throw at 80 yards, <laughs> but having that touch where he's connecting with receivers. Well, it's huge because if you go back and look at his stats, you know, back to being a starting quarterback in Michigan, the thing that's always plagued him is completion percentage, uh, quarterback rating. Um, he's not been a very accurate passer. And he was not a very accurate passer his first couple of quarters as Tennessee starting quarterback in 2021. Um, but last year he was. And again, small sample size, but I think he completed 65% of his passes. That's easily a season, uh, a career high for Joe Milton. And so if you can get a little bit more than that, I think that's going to be huge for him. You know, he'll overthrow Joe, will be yelled at Neyland Stadium a couple of times <laughs> this year, no doubt about it. But if you can hit on those short to intermediate passes to set up those deep bombs, I think that's the step he's got to take, and, and it looks, well, again, from the sample size last year, it looks like he's taking a step in that regard. I love Bazooka Joe. That's just <laughs> no, no, no better nickname. Yeah. Um, what about the rest, the, the other pieces on the offense? Do we feel good about the offensive line? Offensive line, a lot of questions. Um, you're replacing Darnell Wright at you know, number 10 overall at right tackle. You're replacing Jerome Carvin 
a four-year starter at left guard. John Campbell coming over from Miami. He's going to slide in and start at left tackle. And then you got the two tackles that played that last year. Flipping over to the right side with Gerald Mincy and J.J. Crawford. We'll see who wins that battle. But overall, Tennessee's got to find a left guard. That's a huge question right now. It's going to be Ollie Lane, a, a longtime reserve. is going to be Addison Nichols, a rising sophomore. Andre Kierick coming over from Texas. We'll have an opportunity there. Um, offensive line will not be as talented as last year, obviously, but I do think that it's going to be good enough to where it'll allow Tennessee to do what it needs to do. Uh, what about the backfield? I know the, the running back, I mean, Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, a lot of those guys were banged up in the spring. We didn't see much of them in the spring game. Where are we with the running backs? You know, the offseason talk is Jalen Wright's going to gonna really kind of break out this year. Um, he's good friends with Jalen Hyatt, and, uh, of course, Jalen Hyatt had that breakout year last year. I'm not saying that it's going to be to that extreme, but um, he's continued to put on good weights, you know, adding the armor, as Jerry Mack says. I think he's explosive. I think he was Tennessee's best back last year, but he just didn't get a whole lot of run, no pun intended. Um, I still think it's going to be a Jabari Small and Jalen Wright sharing the workload. You have Dylan Sampson as well, who looked good as a true freshman. You add to it with Cam Selden. I think Tennessee's running back room, it, I don't think it's going to be the best of the SEC, but I think it's one of the deepest and you know one of the better-looking units top to bottom just from experience alone. Yeah, it's uh, and we know they were – Maybe an underrated running team last year that, you know, Pendon Hooker grabbed all the headlines, but they yeah. ran the ball really well. Well, that's the thing about Josh Heupel's offense. Um, everyone everyone thinks it's an air raid. It's not an air raid. I mean, you know, for, for Tennessee to do what it needs to do, it needs to run the football. And in two years at Tennessee, Josh Heupel's run game, he's averaged 200 yards rushing a game. Right. And so, again, that that's just um, – they run the ball very, very well. Uh, let's talk about the defense. We know uh, there were some good moments last year. There were some bad moments. What? Uh, where are you on this defense? Yeah, again, like I said a moment ago, um, I think you know, knowing the South Carolina game happened, you can't erase it just because it was so bad. But the defense really did take some steps last year in the right direction. Now, um, the secondary's got to improve. You return pretty much everybody minus one safety. You add to that with Gabe Judy Lolly and some freshmen that you like. Can you be at a point this year to where, okay, we're going to start the same guys, but once you make a mistake – we have faith where we'll go get you out of that game. Tennessee couldn't do that the last couple of years in the secondary, so that's the question I have there. But linebacker, as deep as that room has ever been, Tennessee's going to play five to six linebackers. You feel good about that. And the defensive line with Rodney Gardner, I mean, those units over his career, they get better and better and better as the year goes on. Uh, Tyler Barron, can he finally stay healthy uh, and do something for Tennessee? And, and replacing Byron Young, that's a big loss up front as well, but Amari Thomas is going to help with that. Who will lead the team in sacks? That's a good question. Um, man, Tennessee's got four Leos that are going to play, and they, they can package it up in pass rushing situations and all that, but you got Roman Harrison, who's been there five years, it feels like. He plays a lot of snaps, but he doesn't get home a lot. And then you had the high upside guys, the James Pierce, the Joshua Josephs, and a true freshman in Caleb Herring. All these guys are long, explosive. Um, I, I think they're all going to play, so I would say it's probably going to come out of that bunch. Uh, but for right now, I will say um, – Give me Joshua Josephs, I think, who will lead Tennessee in sacks. All right, that was part one of my conversation from Radio Row at SEC Media Days last week with our guy Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC. I'll play part two maybe tomorrow, maybe later this week, but a lot of good stuff there on the University of Tennessee. All right, that is going to do it here for this edition of Locked On Vols. Can't thank you enough for sending in those questions for the mailbag edition of the show. We recap Tennessee being picked second in the East, where it, where it fell in terms of SEC overall predictions, Preseason All-SEC players, Tennessee had four of them, including 
quarterback Joe Milton as a third-team preseason All-SEC quarterback. That's pretty cool to see. We answered your questions and, of course, heard my conversation with Chris Gordy. Uh, tons and tons of stuff to get into this week as we inch closer to the start of fall camp. That's coming up next week with Media Day on Tuesday. And no better place to find all that coverage than right here every single day. Locked on balls, 30 minutes or less on your favorite team, the Tennessee Volunteers. Continue to support the show by liking this video on YouTube, subscribing to the channel, following and subscribing, please, wherever you get your podcast. We are a top 100 football podcast, and it's all because of you. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Locked on Balls. <laughs>